And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy back again. Startup Hustle, baby. And I'm here to up my game today. What does that even mean? We're going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, and our guest is going to tell you here in a minute. But before we get too far into this, I need to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and, effect- and affordably and effectively, I guess. So I, I said I need to up my game. What does that even mean? And, you know, there's a whole lot of, of, of things that go into that whole concept and raising your performance, raising your game, getting more out of yourself. So I brought in someone who might do as many things in life as I do, which is a lot. Uh, with me today, I've got Dr. Meg, Megan Brown, who's a founder, a doctor of physical therapy, an author, a speaker, and a coach. And I'm going to challenge her to help me up my game. Are you ready for that challenge, Megan? I'm ready, Matt. How about you? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I never know. I'm always willing to find out. I'm, I've, I'm a bit of a human guinea pig when it comes to human performance and wanting to figure that out. Now, before we get, before we get started of fixing fixing my game... What's your what's your story? What has brought you to the point where you're doing so many things, and 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 just kind of, kind of give us an idea of like what problems you wanted to solve that that brought you here? Yeah, so I started um, physical therapy. I graduated back in 2012. Um, shortly after that, I decided I really want to own my own clinic. You know, when you go into other clinics, you find things that you like, you find things that you don't like. And then from there, you decide, all right, I'm going to try this out or I'm not going to try this out. And um, for me, there was a lot of different factors, but I knew that I wanted to own my own clinic and I wanted to start with sports performance. I wanted to do a lot with athletes. Um, just a little background, you know, I've played pretty much every sport. I'm a military kid. I grew up in the military, so we moved around a lot and sports was kind of my way of making friends, of getting out there and, and figuring out what my new school was going to be like, what my new place was going to be like. So every two years we moved and um, I went to three elementary schools, two middle schools, two high schools. So that was that was kind of my way in. But when I started PT school, I knew that I wanted to go kind of on that athletic route and moved up to Jacksonville and started um body mechanics, physical therapy, and the Laxbox, which is a sports performance and lacrosse training facility up here. Okay. So now, as I mentioned, you're, you're an author as well, uh, a speaker and a coach. So let's, let's get a little, a few details on that. What's the name of your book? What's it about? Yeah, I actually have uh, three books. Well, two are out right now. The third one, I'm still in the process of writing, but they're all kind of journal based. So the first one is the restore journal. The second one is the develop journal. And then the third to come is the strength journal. So each one has different aspects um, of how you 
can improve your day, improve, you know, when we journal, sometimes it helps us reflect a little bit more. We can understand, you know, what's actually happening in our life. We can create patterns. We can, it's almost like data driven, you know, information. And as a physical therapist and kind of a science nerd, I definitely like data and it helps, you know, drive a lot of aspects of what I do in my job. And so that's what those journals are created for. Sure. And, you know, data is a, a hot topic around our world and, and startups and entrepreneurs. I, you, some people say it's now the world's most valuable resource. Uh, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But, you know, when a journal based anything, you got to kind of keep track of where you were to figure yeah. out if you're making any progress or not. You know, I, I also have written a book called Balance Me that's about trying to find success through a proper balance in your personal, professional and physical life. And it's got some simple journal type stuff. I mean, just simply asking what percentage of your day goes to each category, personal, professional and physical. And if you ask most people, if you say, well, where does it go and where do you want it to go? You have two completely different answers. So, you know, some of that journaling, and I, I suggest in my book as well, which is trying to keep track of the stuff that you're spending time doing that has little to no value in order to replace those activities with things that get you move you a little further towards your goals. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's that's part of the raise your game program, you know, that you were talking about in the beginning is we have to look at those different habits, you know, our habits, they don't necessarily they're not good or bad, they're just kind of indifferent, you know, and we have to figure out, okay, this habit is going to replace this different habit that maybe, you know, like if I stay on my phone and just check out YouTube for three hours versus actually making content and making a YouTube channel, you know, those are two very, very different things. And in the Raise Your Game program, we're trying to kind of tackle all those different things. Much like you were saying in your book, we we look at the physical side of things, the mental, the nutritional, and the goal setting side of things. And it's not just for athletes. Does it work really well for athletes? Yes, of course. But it also works really well for, you know, some people like to call them corporate athletes or, you know, work, work life athletes. So it's, it's anything that you're doing in life that you want to get better at. There's a good plan to help you get that way. And I'm, I tell my patients, um, I'm kind of like their Sherpa on their, you know, on their life, life journey when it comes to this. So um, sometimes people just need to be heard. Sometimes people just need to be seen and then they need that little guiding light or, or helping hand to get there. Yeah, I think that that level of accountability is important. And that's where coaches and mentors can be uh, a big deal for a lot of people. And, you know, most people fail at the start, meaning like they never start. Yeah. And you know, there's so much to that. And, you know, for, for those of you out there listening, finding a good mentor and a coach can be pivotal because a lot of people, like a lot of people just kind of shrug it off. They say that they want to do stuff. And I went through a lot of that it, while writing Balance Me, which was like 10 years of my own experience. And I've been, it's funny because people are like, oh, you wrote a book about that. You must be a master. I'm like, sometimes, you know, we're all good at, at this kind of stuff in certain points of our life and bad at it at others. It, did yeah. you create your program based on your own? I mean, is this your own personal experience? Are they observations? Are they a collection of other people's different things? I'd say it's kind of a combination of all of those things. You know, growing up military, you definitely learn a lot differently than I think other people do. Um, you know, my dad was... He was in the Air Force for 24 years. And if you just think of a military, you know, 
person and that mindset, that's kind of how I was raised. I was the oldest of three. So anything that my younger brothers did, I was always held accountable for, no matter if I was there or not. Um, and, you know, growing up, it was it was difficult. But looking back on a lot of it, um, it was necessary. And even, you know, going throughout my life, I lost, um, I lost my brother at the eight, he was 18, he committed suicide. And then I, my dad, um, my first semester of PT school died suddenly as well. And so it was, it was a lot of challenge as far as, okay, what do I do now? And a lot of people that I see, um, you know, they come, come with kind of that, baggage, you know, even physical things. If, if someone tears up their knee, it's not always just physical. Um, a lot of mental stuff goes into it too, because when you're an athlete, especially high school, college athlete, and you get hurt and that was your world, you know, your whole world is turned upside down. So it's, it's kind of been a combination of stuff that I've gone through of stuff that I've, um, helped people go through stuff that I've heard from different athletes that I know. So it's, it's been a combination. So I, I like the Sherpa analogy because we all have baggage. And sometimes if you can get someone to help you carry it yeah, or maybe unload it or maybe say, you know what, leave it behind. Uh, so many of the things that, I mean, really in the end, time management has a lot to do with, with this stuff. And, you know, the, my often and, re, and frequent co-host, Matt Watson, will always, he's a, he, he he's got a quote, you know, just mainly about, you know, it, it relates to your own personal backpack and the more things that you pick up, like if you want to get to the top of the mountain, you got to keep carrying certain things. So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, do you, do you find that a lot of the people that you work with are just overcommitted to stuff or, or how, or is it, they're often a different issue about why they're not ascending? There is some overcommitment. I think sometimes with high school athletes, for example, you know, they, they come in and if they were injured, you know, they have school and they have home life and they have sports life. And how do they balance these things? And when you're a teenager, that's already difficult enough <laughs> as well. So you're trying to you're trying to figure out a lot, um, especially at that high school time. But as you become an adult, if you don't know how to kind of go on that path when you're younger and figure those things out. When you get to be an adult, it's not like you just magically know what to do. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not how it works. But when you're younger, if you start getting into those habits, kind of like what you talked about with the time management and understanding, okay, this is important. This isn't as important. You know, it's not as important if I am not liked by, you know, Sam in school because I don't have the right shoes on as opposed to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to perform and do my job in the classroom or out on the field. Um, but yeah, I just, people have a lot of different things. I mean, that's what makes us human and you can't just pinpoint it to one thing or another, but we do have common threads. Yeah. I actually made that same thesis statement of sorts in my book, because people, you know, you look at three categories and you say, oh, you're trying to have a balance, but the balance is different for everyone. Yeah. You know, really the balance is about what makes you happy. 
and it, but it also has to work within manageable ranges. And, you know, my whole point with the, with the, and balance me with the personal, professional, physical thing was if you overcommit in one category, eventually the other ones will come to claim that balance. And, you know, like, so as you get older, if you spend all your time working, 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 and 90% of your effort is in the professional category, your physical and personal life are going to suffer. And, and if you end up getting a divorce because you're never at home or you're, you're, not, you're not there to raise your kids and they kind of run wild, you're not going to be able to put 90% of your effort into your, into your professional world. And in a, on a physical sense, if you don't take care of your body and you don't stay somewhat in shape, then you're going to have health issues. And if you've ever, as you're aware, as a doctor and physical therapist, those things can be really debilitating and they can suck a lot of time. They can take a lot of your energy and definitely take your, a lot of your emotion, you know, and that's, uh, if you, if you don't feel spirited about stuff, then, you know, all those things are going to, are going to kind of come crashing down on you. Now, when it, when it comes to your books and the journal part, you know, the, the, you've got, you know, the restore, develop, and then coming soon, the strengthen part. Like, so let's, let's talk about, so restoration is an important part because a lot of times people are like, oh, all right, here you go. So I'm 45 years old. Now, when I was 18, I had a six pack. I, had, I was like 3% body fat. I am a long way away from that now. So, you know, I think it's easy for a lot of people when I think about the, like getting stuck on the concept of restoration, I hear people say, oh, well, I used to, oh, well, I used to. And you know, the th okay, well, well, how about now? Cause now, and not to, I'm not, I'm not a, a okay. Buddhism says all you have is now yeah. the future is, is something yet to come and the past is already gone. And, and so how do you, so with, with the restore journal, like, what's the story with that? What are, what are we seeking restoration with? A lot of that is, is mindset, you know, and like you said, you, you're a 45-year-old guy now. You don't have the six-pack and all that anymore, but that doesn't mean that you can't, <laughs> you can't feel good about yourself, right? So a lot of it is learning to, it's kind of like meeting ourselves halfway. You know, we expect in relationships that the person that we're with or the person that we want to learn from or, you know, mentor or whatever, that they meet us halfway. But we often don't even meet ourselves halfway. You know, we put these crazy high expectations of where we think that we should be. And most of the time, we don't even know where that expectation comes from. It could be coming from how we were raised, you know, what our parents told us. It could be coming from, um, the things out out in the world that we look at and like, oh, I, I want to be like that girl or that guy. Um, but, you know, we just have to realize, OK, like you said, we're at where we're at. And how do we move forward from there? If you're trying to, let's say, for example, quit smoking, what do you need to be doing in the next week, next month, six months, whatever it is to stop smoking. You're not just going to be like, okay, I'm just going to be done smoking because if it's something that you've been doing for years, you have to change pretty much your brain chemistry now. You know, you have to create more favorable habits because your smoking habit came out of something, whether that was something stress related or, you know, you saw your older brother doing it. So you wanted to be cool. So you started doing it. It came from somewhere. So we have to figure out one where these things are coming from that are either destructive or non-favorable for your life. And then we need to figure out what we can put in place of those things that are going to make you feel just as fulfilled, but in a more healthy, positive way. 
Yeah. And, you know, so many of the things that you talk about this long term approach, uh, you know, this is that you have to have that in your mind. But at the same time, like if you told me now I don't smoke, but if you told me I had to quit and you said, well, what's the one thing you have to do in the next four hours to quit? And I'd say I'd have to not smoke a cigarette, (laughs) you know, but I mean, now there there I found in my research on these matters that. The, there's a lot of simplicity in the solution. The complexity is way up the funnel, you know, yeah. and, and you have all these different things that get in. But but if you can get your if you can wrap your head around the simplicity, the zeros and ones, because it's a yes or a no. Like mm-hmm. in the end, you're just going to decide to smoke a cigarette or not. And so r- what do you need to do to not to quit smoking? You need to not smoke cigarettes. So. All right. So now if people are listening, they're like, yeah, that's pretty fucking obvious, Matt. <laughs> Well, it is, but that's my point though, is that yeah. where you want to be and how you want to get and what you want to become are very binary. You do, or you don't, you know, you win or you lose black and white, true, false, you know, win, loss, those kind of things. And I had a hard time proving anything different. And and some people actually got mad at me. They're like, cause they're like, well, what about a drug addict? I'm like, same thing. <laughs> yeah. You do drugs or you don't. don't. They're like, yeah, but there's so many things. I'm like, yeah, but yes, but that's not the simplest explanation of why it occurred. Now you get up there and, you know, maybe, but I found in so many, so many ways that the things that people wanted to quit or that, or that they wanted to change about themselves involved very simple tweaks in their overall approach to doing things like, okay, I saying I, I drink too much. Okay. Well, who do you hang out with? Uh, well, I've got, I've got three dudes that I hang out with all the time. And now the question is, okay, are you drinking with them? Yeah, that's what we do. Okay. Well then we might need to change that. Or you're going to have to get to the point where you can hang out with these people and not drink. Have have you, did you find in your research and your writing and and your practical application that like, are you supportive of the things that I just said? Do you find the same kind of stuff or is there, is there something different out there? Yeah, I think, you know, there is a very binary approach when you think of um, an end result or a goal, but the way that you get there is all up to you, right? You can you can take the long way around or you can take the short, maybe not so fun way to it. So it, it really is a matter of preference. And it's also a matter of stamina and endurance and mental, you know, acuity and where you really want to get going because an athlete that's injured, you know, they're, let's say they had a knee surgery. Their whole thing is I want to get back to sports. Okay. Well, that's your goal, but how do we get there? You know, it's going to take smaller steps. You have to learn how to contract your quad. You have to learn how to stretch. You have to learn how to do these various things before you can even put weight on that knee, before you can even start to walk, before you can even start to run, before you can pivot, playing games, all that kind of stuff. So I think when people start thinking of these goals, they don't realize that they may seem far off, but the path to it doesn't necessarily have to take as long as you've already been taking in your life to get there. Because as people get older, then they're like, well, I'm never going to get there because it's already been 30 years, 45 years, whatever it is. Uh, that's hogwash though. Like, <laughs> so when you ask people what they want to do, like, you know, you say, well, what do you want? Like, what's some goals? And then they say stuff The the number one excuse, and it is an excuse. Well, I don't have time. Yeah. You have time. You're just oh, not yeah. spending your time the way that you probably should. Yeah. And 
you know, and that's, that's part of like with the, with the book that I wrote and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm curious if you get the same feedback because anytime you start telling people how to live their life, you have a certain camp of people that are basically like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> what? A, that's stupid. That's stupid. So, you, you know, like there, I mean, there were, I was very sensitive to that as I, as yeah. I published a book on the subject. And then basically in the beginning of the book, literally on page one, made some comments along the lines of, look, if you're not willing to admit that you are likely your own biggest problem, that, and you're, if you're not willing to change and you're not willing to constantly re-examine and adjust where you're at and determine your future, then just put the book back because you're not going to like it. Yeah. And I can't help you. I mean, do you, do you feel the same way? Yeah, that I mean, that whole readjusting and reexamining is a huge, huge part of creating whatever it is that you want to create in your life. You know, you can't, progress is not linear. No matter how much people think it is, it is not linear by any means. Um, and even, you know, in my journal, same thing. I have some questions in the front. Like, if you can answer these questions and say yes, truthfully and honestly, okay, then let's start this journal. Um, because a big part of it is if you can't be honest with yourself, you're never going to get honest results. Um, same thing with the champions quiz that I have out. You know, it's, it's a self quiz. You answer, okay, the, this is where I'm at physically. Like, do I like how I look? Do I actually work out? Do I do, you know, I'm not going to know the answer if I don't know you, but I'm not going to go back and like check your answers and be like, oh, you answered a two on this and you're really a one, you know? So it's, it's all honesty with yourself. You know, again, you've got to meet yourself halfway. <laughs> You know, the honesty with yourself is the biggest challenge. Now, do be honest with yourself and go to fullscale.io. That's the sponsor of today's episode. That's the business that I own as well, where I can help you eliminate some of your problems when it comes to finding software professionals, because the struggle is real. Mm -hmm. um, now, anytime you have a goal and, and you know, much like we talk about a lot, uh, building a business is, is a big undertaking and you have to go through it one step at a time. You've heard lots of phrases. I love, you know, saying if you're going to eat an elephant, you got to do it one bite at a time. Um, there's so many, so many bits and pieces. Like, I mean, I've encouraged when it comes to goal achievement and getting where you want, like you got to break that goal into like 10 million pieces and just start gobbling them up. You know, you can't, the idea of, uh, well, you mentioned, we've talked, the word weight has come up a couple of times. So a big goal that people have is they want to lose weight and they're like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, your mind doesn't wrap itself around 20 pounds. It's not a realistic goal. So, you know, how do you, how do you approach, uh, when it comes to like goals, like and I, I would think as a physical therapist, like what I just said is is a paramount kind of thing. Cause you know, you have to get like, okay, if your leg is completely immobile, your first goal should be to wiggle your toes or something like that. How's your experience with physical therapy and, and coaching helped you push people to actually get moving, moving towards achievement? A lot of people are very resistant to change, whether it's good or bad change. And you know, when someone's recovering from an injury or an illness, um, you know, I've worked in the hospital for a while as well. And you would be surprised at how resistant people are to movement, especially when they think or that they feel that they're hurting or they went in because they were hurting. And maybe now that that pain is different. But, you know, it it definitely is that kind of bit by bit. And you have to reassure people constantly, constantly, constantly. Like I would not make you do this if I thought it was going to hurt you or cause you more issue. 
Um, and that's, you know, as a physical therapist, I think that's one of the greatest parts of my job and, and being a doctor. And that's partly why I wanted to be a, a DPT was because I knew that I didn't want to uh, work on the weekends if I didn't have to, and I didn't want to give medication. <laughs> so, you know, with DPT, you can actually see the progress of patients and you can build that rapport. You know, unfortunately, the way that our healthcare system is now and with insurance, especially a lot of medical doctors are very rushed when they when they see their patients, whether it's, you know, something like the flu or, um, you know, a major surgery. Everyone is really rushed with things. And having my own clinic, I can take my time with patients. I can really make them feel like that they are wanted and that I'm here in their best interest, you know, but they also know that they have to meet me halfway, that they have to put in the effort in order to get to where they want to go. What about when it comes to unrealistic expectations? And, you know, the, I think bridging the gap between optimism and realism is a challenge, you know, like, I mean, there, and I would imagine as, as a therapist, like, Hey, I need, I need, you mentioned the goal of an injured athlete is to play sports again. Eh, well, if you tore your ACL, that's not happening in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but you can't, and you can't, you can't create an unreal set of expectations around changing that. So how, how do you suggest that people deal with that? Or when do you, or, or, you know, I don't like to tell people they can't do stuff, but sometimes it is truly unrealistic. And I, and I, you know, I talk to a lot of people that want to start a business and I try to be as realistic with them as possible. I'm like, I think you're going to have a lot of problems here. I think you're going to, and kind of like, I think you're going to, the equivalent of telling an injured athlete, if you get back on the field, you're just going to hurt yourself worse. Yeah. And so, and so what, how, how do you approach that with either patients or, or those you're coaching? Yeah, sometimes you do have to be the bearer of bad news, but at the same time, if you give them the bad news with maybe, I wouldn't say hopes, but an alternate plan. So, you know, when people get injured in games and they know that they're going to be out for a while, um, you try and give them other things to be a part of the team still to help with practices to, you know, write up plays to start to visualize. Um, we've been using a lot of visualization, especially in this raise your game program where, you know, you have to see yourself where you want to be. And then that kind of helps your brain figure out what it needs to do to get to that point later. So something that we actually use in physical therapy a lot um, and they've used in amputees as well is kind of like a mirror therapy almost. So let's say that you're trying to you know, get your quad moving on one leg. Well, instead of doing it only on that leg, that injured leg, you start to do it on that opposite leg. So now your brain is understanding, okay, this is what that motion feels like. And then you get that kind of cross communication to the other legs to start moving. Um, so, you know, when people get injured, you do have to tell them, you know, you, you have to be realistic with it. You can't be like, oh, yeah, like you said, you tore your ACL, you'll be back on the field in two weeks because we know that that's not the case. Um, but what else can they do in the meantime that's still propelling them forward and still preparing them to, you know, do their best and to get back on the field again? So what about things? All right. So we've had an episode in the past about something that's real and it's known as founder's depression. And, uh, you know, this, go, this happens with entrepreneurs a lot. Well, first off, the personality style of an entrepreneur is 
uh, or, or a, a, a lot of them is similar to mine. And that's that obsessed slash driven slash a little crazy. And sometimes, you know, the, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship can really put you through a mental ringer. Um, I, you know, I see some of the stuff you've written about as the mind, you know, improving and changing the mindset of an injured athlete. And I, and I think that there's gotta be a lot of similarities to that. And when I mentioned the ups and downs about entrepreneurship, it is real. And there is, there is notable amount of information out there about founders depression. Cause you know, like you wake up one day, the, 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 description of an entrepreneur's life in a meme I saw once was like, and it had a timeline. It was like, woke up ready to take over the world. By noon, you were in the shitter. By three o'clock, you were back. You were now better than you were when you were ready to take over the world. And then something else occurred. And it's just that those ups and downs. And and that is, uh, especially in business, is it's very easy to feel injured. So how do you advise, what, how do you change the mindset following an injury? That is probably one of the hardest things to do. Um, you, you go through, you know, like your grief process, pretty much. You go through denial. You go through, you know, grieving, bargaining, all that kind of stuff. And um, at the end of it, you have to make that decision. Like, do I want to stay here? Do I want to stay grieving? Do I want to stay upset? Or do I want to push forward and make myself better? Some athletes, you know, that this might be a reprieve for them almost, you know, because they've been training so hard and doing something for so long that they're burnt out. And this injury, you know, was kind of, for lack of a better word, a godsend to them because now they get to rest, they get to relax, they get to reevaluate. Um, some athletes, they were on the up of their career and then they got injured. So it, it all depends on where that athlete's at in their career. It depends on what their mindset is already coming into physical therapy. And then again, meeting them halfway, trying to figure out what is it that you really want to do. Um, and I don't think that we ask our athletes or our patients or our clients even, um, very often, like, what is it that you really want to do? Because sometimes when they're minors or their kids, it's whatever their parents want. You know, when when we're adults, it's whatever some, maybe our spouse wants or our our um, our boss wants. You know, so it's sometimes it just gets down to brass tacks of like, what is it that you really want? And then they have to really think about that. Yeah, that's something I talk to early stage entrepreneurs about, you know, someone, they have an idea, they want to, you know, they want input on it. And actually the first thing I asked, I didn't always used to ask this question, but now I ask, I said, so what, what are you passionate about? You know, like, what do you really want to do? Like, what is, what do you wake up in the morning? And if you could do one thing, what would it be? And if it's not related to that business, then I advise them strongly to consider not doing it. And yeah. the reason is, is because like, you know, a business kind of, kind of like sports, you know, and you mentioned this and I grew up playing sports as well. And I wasn't a great athlete, but I played on teams with a lot of people that were, and I saw the level of expectation that people started to develop for them. And, you know, here, here you have a 15 year old. And so I played baseball, football, basketball, and, you know, I, and I played baseball with guys that got drafted in the major leagues and had tons of college offers and stuff like that. And I would have loved that. That was like, I would have been really passionate about that, but some of them weren't. And yeah. I was like, dude, you're going to get drafted by the fucking Yankees and you don't care. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I like playing football better. Yeah. And, you know, so the, those expectations can come with a lot of weight, but 
and, and commitment and opening a business is the exact same thing. So like, if you, if you don't think you're going to be passionate about it in five years, it, and if you're really not passionate about it now, then don't do it because it's going to be an ongoing thing or it's hard to shut down. It's hard to turn off. And, you know, sports ha- has often has a, a finite window in which athletes can compete. Businesses are, if you, okay, if you start a corporation, it is literally set up to never die. That yeah. is like the legality of a corporation is that it is everlasting and doesn't die when you do. So like, think about that. There's like a, a very strong commitment and, and, you know, that's, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think that's a big part of stuff. And, you know, I see people that are super, like, I am passionate about business. I am passionate about entrepreneurship. It's why I love doing the podcast because I get to talk to people that do a lot of different stuff and it revolves around my passion. And, and look, I'll be honest, like, doing as many episodes of startup hustle as we do on some days, like I wake up and I'm like, Oh dude, it was up late. Or maybe I have something else on my mind, but because I'm passionate about the subject matter, I'm like, cool, I do it. But think about where you're going to feel if you're not passionate about it, you're like, you're not going to be there. You're going to be distant. You're going to do a lot of different things. Now you mentioned starting your own practice. Uh, were, w- did you experience any of the things that I just mentioned or consider any of them oh, before yeah. you started it? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I feel like every day is different, you know, when you own your own business, every day is different. And um, from a physical therapy side of things, especially with all the stuff that's going on with COVID, you know, some people are very scared to go out of their house and come in and, and do new things. Um, and I think this whole time has been a lot of pivoting. And that's also partly why I started the Raise Your Game program. Like it's always been in my head and, you know, wanting to do more on the the physical therapy side of things. And this was just an all encompassing way of doing more of the mental, physical, um, nutritional and goal setting stuff. But you know, I definitely, I didn't know that there was a word for it, you know, the, the founder's depression or the, the diagnoses for it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it really is a real thing. It's, yeah. it's very well documented. There's been articles in major publications about it. Some of which have, have basically, I've seen the same article, uh, one of the same articles, uh, circulating like so many, I mean, it's like three years old and people are still sharing it. Like, Oh my God, I can't, this is real, Yeah, and, but it is. And I, you know, I've been through it and you know, that's the thing is, is, uh, much. All right. So sports, I, I love hiring athletes and I love hiring people that have been in the military oh, for yeah. different reasons. Uh, now I, you mentioned growing up in an army family. So my, my mom's side of the family was like that. My, uh, mom's dad, uh, was, a surgeon in the army and was in three wars and she never started the same. Uh, there was only one time in her life where she uh, did two grades consecutively at a school. And that mm-hmm. was when she lived in Japan. <laughs> so it wasn't really like the true, like, Hey, here's Denver in your elementary school. So a lot yeah. of different stuff, but around that grew up, it so grew up in a very regimented kind of way. Um, you know, you mentioned that the, the world doesn't t- often teach you how to be an adult. Uh, the military will try. Yeah, they, they will try in a lot of ways. Like, and, you know, our, our chief marketing officer was um, a sergeant in the army and his his job was packing parachutes. Ooh. And 
<laughs> hey, cool. when he told me that, I was like, damn, if I need to, I get, I, so I can rely on you. Yeah, He's yeah. like, yeah, I think so. Because if you fail at that job, they actually put you in jail. So like, it's not, not a good thing, but I like that. And then when I, when it comes to, to athletes, I, I enjoy the, they uh, seem to understand team, team mechanics a little better. And um, let's look, if you've played sports past being eight years old, then you got yelled at, you got <laughs> like you, and you dealt with some pressure and some difference that either that, or you were probably not welcome on many teams and maybe a shitty athlete. Cause that's part of the coaching. Do you think that, that both, I'd like to hear your take on how the military or uh, team sports growing up have helped you as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Yeah, I think, I think both have actually been really influential on myself as a business owner and just, you know, I, I do put high expectations on myself with a lot of things, but in growing through my businesses a little bit more and, and just my personal growth as well, I've noticed in the past, you know, year, year and a half, um, that expectations are good, but not to put them at such a high, high rate that you're bound to fail, you know? So with the military and sports, you definitely have to have, like you said, kind of that regimented, you know, you have to show up to practice early. You have to be there until whatever time you have to do whatever your coach says. Um, and it's great from my end because I do get to be my own boss, but you know, I, I kind of help other people to understand what they need to do in life as well. So, um, you know, right now I'm actually mentoring, <clears throat> I'm mentoring a, a new PT just out of grad school. And we're kind of going through some of the similar things that I went through first starting in into the career. So understanding and recognizing that not everything that everyone does is going to fit your style of PT and you have to find your own style of PT. Same thing with athletes. You have to find your own style of play, even in the military, no matter how regimented things are, you have to find your own style. You have to find what speaks to you because if you don't, it's like you said, you're not going to enjoy waking up in the morning and going to work. You're not going to enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. Well, you know, self-discipline is described as doing the things that you need to do the most at the times that you want to do them the least. Um, and, you know, that's, I mean, if you're going to own a business or have a startup, then you you better be prepared for that. And I bet that was something that, that you, you probably learned as you set up your business is, especially if you don't have a ton of help and it's early, like, you're like, who, who do I get help from? Me, me, you got to do it. And, and the problem is, and that's, that's part of like that, looking at your own, looking at your own, uh, value situation. And, and so one of the things that I learned around that, that I found the most useful is really, truly measuring and, and assessing opportunity cost. And a lot of people have heard that phrase and a lot of people haven't, but opportunity cost is the value of the option you didn't choose. And anytime you choose to do one thing, you choose not to do something else. So if you can train yourself to now, now here's the thing is when it comes to looking at opportunity costs, it's, there isn't a clearly def, def, like there isn't a clear definition of win or lose. Cause sometimes that's just a matter of like, I mean, okay, what am I not doing by recording this podcast now? Now I'm at home in quarantine. I could go play dolls with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so, the, so some people I'd say I ch that I, I, I did this instead of that. And some people would be like, 
oh my gosh, you missed out on that opportunity forever. But maybe I didn't, you know, like, I don't know, maybe my daughter didn't even want to play dolls with me. I'm not even that great at playing dolls. <laughs> but that said, everything has some kind of effect or value when it comes to that personal, professional and physical life kind of stuff. So if you're not doing the things that you that move you towards a goal, I think that's a for me, that's been the when it comes to raising your game is that's just the number one thing to look at, like, is what I'm doing right now, moving me towards any type of goal in my life, if the answer is no, then you're doing the wrong stuff. Yeah, you're doing the wrong stuff. And, and then also, it's not always about big blocks of time. Like, if I had the next 150 hours in front of me open, I couldn't learn how to speak Spanish, or at least not very well. But that might be how much time I need over two years or 30 minutes a day for 300 days. And if you start to look at these things in a much smaller, that's what I said, figure out what you want, break that up into a thousand pieces, quit looking at your goals as one singular task, like a major goal is someone people want to buy a house. Okay, well, if you've ever bought a house, then you certainly know that that is not one singular action, yeah. especially when you go the day to sign sign for it, and you have to sign like 10,000 pieces of paper. But there's all these different things. So like whether it's a business or a physical goal or a personal goal or any of that stuff, it's like, you know, people talk to us about this podcast. Like, wow, you get to 400 up. You're coming up on 400 episodes. Like, yeah, we also had a time when we had three. So I can't just like immediately fast forward to episode 400. Now, what, speaking of episodes, and we're, we're, we're here, we have arrived at the end of this episode of Startup Hustle. Once again, with us today is Dr. Megan Brown. So we end most episodes, not all, but most, with what we call the Founders Freestyle. Now, you've been a founder of your own business. And I think that, by the way, writing books is a different type of being a founder, I always say the write the best part about writing a book is finishing it. Yeah, like, definitely. It, writing a book kind of sucks. It's like one of those things where you're like, "Yeah, I want to do it," and you get halfway in, and you're like, "Yeah, do I want to do it?" And then by the time it's over, it's like, "Fuck, why did I decide <laughs> to do this?" And then when you're done, you're like, "Cool, it's done. I'm never yeah. writing another book." And then you usually and start then you writing. Then you, then you get over it, and about a year later. But yeah. I'm curious. Uh, so, so I'm just going to give you the mic for a second, and if there, and I'm going to just leave it open because, like I said, you've done a lot of stuff. What's some advice that you'd like to give any listener about raising your game? I think. What's, what's the What's the thesis? The thesis statement. <laughs> I think uh, you know you said it best. Like you have to find a guide. You have to find a coach or a Sherpa or how you know whatever you want to call them that matches with you. You know, I've I have a business coach. I have someone that. You know, I took the time to kind of seek that person out and figure out, okay, like I know that I don't know everything about business. I know everything about my business and PT, but I don't know everything about business and I need a little bit more help with that. Um, the moment that you are able to actually understand that and take that step is the moment that things are going to change for you because everyone needs to realize that you might be good at multiple things, you know, like I do a ton of stuff, Matt, you do a ton of stuff, but that doesn't mean we're great at every single thing that we've ever done in our lives, right? Like you said, you weren't the best at baseball forever. But you know, so as we go, you know, you have to realize your limits. And you have to realize that you can push past those limits, but only with the right direction, you need that pathway, you need to understand what it is 
that you're looking for in your life, whether it's work-related, school-related, sports-related, whatever it is, you have to have those goals. And to get to those goals, how do we do it? We reach out to the people that know what they're doing, to the people that have probably gone through a lot of what you've gone through. So, you know, like I said, I've played high school sports, collegiate sports. I still play international lacrosse. So I know what it's like to be an athlete at a high level. And you need to find those type of people that resonate with you and then create create a game plan from there. Well, well said. Now, before I close out once again with us today, Dr. Megan Brown, and that's an A-U-N, almost yeah. like a brawn. German. So uh, lot, lots of links in the show notes. You can find lots of stuff about Megan out there. Uh, and once again, today's episode, Start Apostles, brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you do a lot of stuff. How about that? So, you know, I, I think you're right. Everything you said, I, I think the, the guide and the mentor thing is, is important. And if you look at any story, any movie, any book, anything that's ever been popular, there's always a guide. There's actually like, I actually talk about the story brand a lot where there's always a guide who takes the character. He goes through some, he or she goes through some adversity. They usually have a setback. They come back, they train a little harder. They learn a little more. They become a little more experienced. They have a victory. Usually they have a victory and then they celebrate. And Mm -hmm. that is pretty much the plot line to every movie ever. And it can be to your own life. Like you're writing your own book and you need to, you need to have a guide. I think that that's important. But one thing that the guide can't make you do is all the stuff that you decide to do or not to do. The guide can help hold you accountable. They can be like, come on, Megan, why aren't you doing this? And, but if you really decide not to do it, you're not going to do it. And I think that if I had to give one thing. And I'm hoping this isn't too broad and cliche, but if you don't believe it, that you're going to, that you can do it, then I think the, the, the quality, the effort and your likelihood of getting where you want it is a lot, is a lot less. And it's that, that sense of self belief. And, and I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, like, well, how do I make more money? How do I start a business? I'm like, you got to quit focusing on that part and you got to get good at something. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to be good at? You know, what do you want to be good at? And, 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 you know, I've spent uh, years talking to people that perform at high levels. Like it's my, it's my personal fascination to talk to people that are best at what they do. And 100% of them, and this was the whole thesis statement of balance me is success demands payment in advance. I find, I have found people with world-class talent and they practice harder and more than anybody I've ever met. No one just, and, and even athletes and you get, and it's, it's often downplayed, you know, yeah. you don't, cause you don't see that part. You just see someone show up and shatter a record or whatever, you know, look at Tiger Woods. And I know he's not always the greatest example for the way to live your life for some people, but that guy, I mean, he was like at five years old, was on the Johnny Carson show playing golf. Like mm-hmm. how many golf balls did that dude ever hit? over and over. Now, yeah, he had talent, but you have to take it and you have to, you have to develop a mastery of it. And, and, and you're best suited to do that around the things that you're passionate about. So you can figure that out. You can usually like most people aren't happy with their job or whatever. Well, do something about it. You know, like there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of stuff that you can chase down and you can create your own too. Well, I hate to say it, people, if you're not getting what you want, then it's likely your fault 
in many cases because you can't control your own reactions. And with that, I'm going to end this show and go try to figure out something that I can do to get myself a couple, a little bit closer to some of my goals. So thanks for joining me, Megan. Thank you so much, Matt. Yep. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>